Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. One of the, one of the recurring dreams I had, oh my God. which <laughs> I think underscores my true sickness in life yeah i was in my dream writing a story about where joe flacco was going to play this year because there's no spot for him hey nothing boils the blood and gets a dream going like where's joe flacco gonna play in 2023 (laughs) that's good that that was my fever dream that was when i was sick two weekends ago i had a completely lost weekend two days lost like when you're sick and you know it and you're aware of it like you can't function the way you ordinarily do you don't feel right you feel like you're never going to be normal again and then you're fine that that was when i was not fine my joe flacco fever dream what is going to become of the super bowl 47 mvp in 2023 he remains unsigned when you're sick when you got a fever there's only one cure you know, there's only one cure. You need more Joe Flacco. That's the only thing that'll ease the pain there. That is so random, but you're right. When you're sick and, like, you got that little fever and I don't know what it is, a hallucination almost to a degree or whatever, you have some. You do have some weird dreams. I know that. I haven't had that since I got my COVID booster. That was the last time I had one of those, like, oh, my gosh, weird dreams, I don't feel right, all that type of stuff. That's, that's the last time I was in that, that situation. The only good thing about being sick is I slept a lot. I mean a lot. I can't sleep. I'm at the point where last night in bed before midnight is a rarity. I was in bed at 1130. Wide awake at 5. Wide awake at 5. The other night after we did the whole event in New York City, take the car back to the hotel near the studio and uh, 11 o'clock in bed, I'm thinking, hey, you know, I can, I can, I can, I can get. I can get about six hours of sleep or six and a half hours of sleep where I have to get up at 530 to get over to the studio. Wide awake at 430. Like, what the hell? So uh, it's nice to sleep 10 hours once in a while, which I did. I slept 10 hours, was awake for an hour and a half, slept two more hours that day. It was great. Maybe maybe that's why I got sick. Maybe, maybe it's maybe it was no virus. Maybe it was just sleep Catching that up. finally yeah. closing on my body. Okay. Um, This is the time of year where we take anything juicy wherever we can find it. JoeBucksFan.com posted this item yesterday based upon comments from former NFL quarterback Alex Smith on a show that he co-hosts on SiriusXM NFL Radio. His comments relate to the question of whether or not young quarterbacks are properly served by playing for defensive head coaches. There's a different mentality, he said, when you play for an offensive head coach that wants to light up the scoreboard and outscore the opponent, especially as a young quarterback versus a defensive head coach, when really the coach's mentality is, hey, don't screw up, don't turn the ball over, don't put us in a bad situation. And he specifically then took a little bit of a shot 
at Jets coach Robert Sala. Robert, you're a great defensive mind and coordinator, but like you have no idea how to develop a quarterback. The coordinator you hired never called plays, so that's a completely different animal, and as much as you think you're prepared to handle that development of a young kid, you're just not. I like the candor. Yeah. I like it a lot. Yeah, he does a good job. He knows the game. I've never... I've never thought of it from that perspective. I just always think I'd hire an offensive coach because if I have a defensive coach and my offensive coordinator and my quarterback click and everything works, the reward is my coordinator's gone now and I got to find a different one. I got to entrust the most important relationship on my roster to the next guy I hire. And eventually I'm going to hire somebody who can't do it and then I get fired. I'd rather have the offensive coach who does the, you know, joined at the hip with the quarterback like Drew Brees and Sean Payton were in New Orleans and are together for a decade or longer. That's what I would be looking for. I hadn't thought about the other side where, you know, defensive coach isn't in a position to develop a quarterback and maybe you hire the wrong coordinator and it just doesn't work and everybody gets fired. Yeah, right. I, I, I You know, and I think in history here or, you know, throughout time, yeah, I, I think, of course, there's way more success stories when it's an offensive head coach and, you know, the quarterback that way. I mean, if you really think about it, you know, what's we got Brady and Belichick. That would be one that's different. But Belichick realized, wait, I need to get some special people as offensive coordinators, and we need to push that development there. And there was plans for that. I mean, whether it was Charlie Weiss or Josh McDaniels, whatever it was, that was special. But I think what Alex Smith is saying, and I think Alex Smith does a really good job, radio, TV, I think he's spot on. Mike, you heard me say last year, I know people take it as because I'm a defender of Zach Wilson and I had him as my number one quarterback. Listen, I I understand where we are right now, but like I said last year, I thought the Jets had handled the Zach Wilson situation very poorly. Very. You know, we can go into the rookie year right away and talk about how, yes, there's no veteran quarterback to be around him to teach him how to be an NFL quarterback, let alone like, Alex Smith is bringing up. You got a guy in Michael LaFleur who's trying to find his way as an offense coordinator, never called plays in his life because Kyle Shanahan was calling the plays. And you're going to have him develop the number two pick of the draft. Then there's no backup QB. There's no other older presence there to pay attention. And what happens is defensive coordinators, you know, they just don't know sometimes what it all that goes into making a quarterback successful and everything that you need there. You know, I worked for a John Gruden, right? Practice was basically formulated around the offensive side of the ball. Yes, defense is about assignments, play hard, be in the right spot, do all of that, right? But we we were always pushing the boundaries offensively. I play for the Tennessee Titans, right? Jeff Fisher is a defensive coach. You know, it was all, it was just, hey, offense, let's be simple and physical, be simple and oh hey defense look good today out here in practice all right offense good job let's go in all right and that was that was it it was a different style it was but it is not necessarily conducive to developing young quarterbacks that's a real thing and you know to your point and I think what Alex Smith is saying I think that is you know uh, something that people need to understand a little bit one asterisk I'll apply to that is the situation in Minnesota pre-Kevin O'Connell when Mike Zimmer was there one of the pressure points between him and Kirk Cousins were Cousins was too careful. Zimmer wanted him to be more aggressive. So maybe that's with an older quarterback. Maybe a younger quarterback, you're more careful naturally. But I just think the mindset that was expressed by Smith is defensive coaches generally are more along the lines of let's run the ball defense. We don't screw right, it up. Let's right. not screw it up offensively. Exactly. Right. Let's run the ball. Let's take care of the ball. You know, Let's chew up the clock and make sure the defense is fresh, right? And, again, we got other examples, too, of like, yep, Tony Dungy, he was doing that. And, damn, they were close. They were close. They were close. But what happened? Okay, he got fired, and then he goes to Indianapolis, and it's like, oh, wait. Hey, I can still do all the things I want on defense, but I got a guy like, um, uh, you know, Moore, what, what, the old offensive coordinator that was the uh, offensive coordinator of the Colts. Last name's Moore. I'm, I'm blanking. Tom Moore, thank you Tom very Moore. much. Right. Tom Moore. Tom Moore. You know, but they had a guy like him to be there with Manning and be all over him and develop him, and they pushed the boundaries of the offense, and what happened? They became a really great team and very relevant and in the Super Bowl conversation for a bunch of years there. But, yes, yeah, so like you said it right. Defensive head coaches, they're, they're a little bit more that way. Be careful. Don't take chances on offense. 
Don't make, don't play any aggressive plays. No trick plays. Do stuff like that. Traditionally, that's how defensive coaches roll. And I don't know if they always realize the full totality of what it takes for a quarterback to be good and staying on them and reps and mentality and what you got to push you know schematically and do all those things I think they look at it sometimes defensive coaches and they just watch Mahomes or all that and they go hey we do those plays we have that play or whatever and no it's no you you got that play but Andy Reid's packaged it a different way and and taught the quarterback different things about the play that are a little intricate things you know uh that that give a quarterback advantage and that's that's the difference between an offensive-minded head coach and a defensive one I remember last year it was Cardinals defensive coordinator Vance Joseph with perhaps the most succinct and insightful remark as to the New England offense under Matt Good Patricia, example. Right. the former defensive coordinator. He calls an offense the way a defensive coach would. It's the different mindset. And when you think about the two halves of football, and this is why you know a lot of people who aren't ardent fans of the sport don't understand. What, well, wait a minute, you're a football coach. Why does it matter, offense or defense? You're a football coach. Offense is attack. Defense is defend. It's a different mindset. You're reacting and swarming and dealing with whatever the offense is doing. On the other side, you have a plan where you are trying to go forward. It's two incredibly different objectives. Taking territory versus guarding territory. Two wildly different mindsets that cause this very dramatic split. I'm always curious about when in a coach's life he makes that decision. Now, a lot of it is playing experience. I was a quarterback, so I'm an offensive guy. But, you know, Brandon Staley was a quarterback. Yeah. He's a defensive guy. Right. When do you make that commitment that this is my spot, this is the right side of the ball? And I'm sure it's like snowflakes. Everybody's got their own unique story of how they settled in on that side of the ball and became an expert in offense or defense. Yeah, no, I think that that's real, right? It, it, it is. And I think a lot of the times it's just – with a guy like Brandon Staley or some of these coaches, they just they kind of get stuck on the defensive side of the ball early on in their career, and they start to go, well, wait, this is kind of cool, and I enjoy it, and it kind of grows from there. Now, you know, you can do it the other way around. I mean, we know that too. There's there's other success stories, right? Bill Parcells is a defensive coach. Giants and Phil Sims. Not that their offenses were super spectacular, but they're better than what people realize. You know, Belichick, sure, right. Uh, and, and, you know, even with the quarterback conversation as of right now, hey, we saw McDermott and what he and Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen, you know, one of the good things he did is he got a guy like Brian Dayball, right, who, okay, hey, Dayball's here. He knows how to develop this guy. I can worry about defense, and we got that guy here to make the things that we're talking about happen, you know, and uh, so th- that's what you got to do. You got to be special in who you pick on the O.C., uh, when you are that defensive coach, to your point that you've made for a few years now. Pete Demolitis mentioned Pete Carroll. I mean, that's classic example sure. of a defensive coach who exactly. has never surrendered defensive mentality. Right. To run the ball, run the ball. Although, hey, what, you got DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. And He's Jackson, changing a little. Bigman now. Yeah. Getting the ball down the field. Realize you got to be a little more wide got open. Got to. I look at it this way. How, how many times are you going to keep trying to commit to the run and you can't have a running back stay healthy. At some point, you got to pivot to the guys who are out there and who are able to keep playing because they had Marshawn Lynch, and he was a unicorn from the standpoint of he could ground and pound and keep going and going and going. But every running back they've tried to bring in since Lynch can't stay healthy. So let's throw the ball a little bit more instead. Let's welcome this new age. And look, the more the rules cater to the passing game, exactly. you'd be foolish not to take advantage of those aspects of the rules. Right. If they're going to be quick to the trigger with, with roughing the passer, if they're not going to call holding, if they're going to let the left tackle and the right tackle leave a half second early to give them a break, give them an edge against the pass rushers, it makes it smarter to try to throw the ball. Yeah, yeah, I agreed with that. And I think the, the biggest thing, like with all those things you're saying and, and you're, you're spot on and where the game is and how creative offensive coordinators are and the receivers are as good as we've seen and the quarterbacks are the top ones are as talented as we've ever seen, where I, like to say that, okay, we're going to defense a team and we're going to what, be like the 85 Bears or the 86 Giants and just dominate. I, I don't know if that's really – going to happen anymore with the rules and with the quarterbacks we got. I mean, again, the Eagles defense is special. It was special. 
It was 38 points in the Super Bowl. And it got to a point where we went, I don't know if they're ever going to stop them, right? And I think that's where we're at here. We're like a Pete Carroll of that conversation where, yeah, you, you, you know, hey, the 49ers had one of the best defenses we saw in like the last 10, 12, 15 years. And they had a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter with seven minutes left and lost it because the, the quarterbacks and the receivers are crazy good right now. And I think that's where you can be a defensive team, but you can't just go like, oh, old school, we're going to be a defensive team and run the ball and not be aggressive on offense or do anything. I mean, that, 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 uh, that's not, I think, like you're not able to be consistently good doing that anymore. After seeing what the AFL did in the 60s, the NFL at some point after the merger realized we need to start revising the rules to make the game more conducive to offense. And more recently, they have realized we need to revise the rules to keep the quarterbacks on the field as much as possible. The star quarterbacks stir the drink, as we discussed yesterday, how much of the scheduling process dictated by where the star quarterbacks go. They want to keep them around. They want to make them effective and successful and the best coaches understand it's easier than ever to put together an effective passing game. But you have to be aggressive. You have to develop your quarterbacks. And that's Alex Smith's point. Offensive coach is better suited to doing that than defensive coaches. All right, let's take a break. The Chris Sims Top 40 quarterback countdown continues with some guys who are going to have a hard time improving their lot in 2023 because they're not going to be playing. Backups who find spots in the top 40. We'll talk about several of them when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could, would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Oh, quarterback list. It's a process. Quarterback list. And I put it all on a sheet of paper. Motherfucking top 40 quarterbacks. And I start to just whittle away. We, we clipped in Chris from Tampa a few years ago with his undershirt. You know, my dad always wore always that undershirt. Yeah. And here's the thing. I noticed you were wearing one the other day. You may be wearing one now. Always, every Here's day. Here's the problem with that specific style of undershirt, which carries a name that can no longer be used. It's from a movie. That's Very the only reason reasons. we say it, but, yeah, you know. Right. I, I know, I know. But that's what it was always called. It right. was always called that in the 70s, 80s, 90s. Exactly. That became the name, and I don't know if anybody even stopped to think. That probably is not no. an ideal term to be using. No. But it, it, it's got no coverage where it's needed most. Where is the undershirt needed most? Like, I'm not sweating down the middle of my stomach. I mean, uh, certain days, yes. I need that protection all the way. Like, whoever thought that that was going to be an effective undershirt when it when it provides no protection for the underarm 
where most of the sweat and stink originates from. It, anyway, it, I, just, it I thought can... that the other day because I could tell by the lines oh, that you yeah. had one. I'm, oh, I wear one every day of my life. I do. And I tuck it into my underwear, right? So it, it's inside my underwear. That's what I do. Thanks. All right? Just so you know. Because I like to tuck in my shirts, Thanks. too, and it's a better fit. So then if the shirt starts to come out, you know, the tank top, you know, doesn't come out either, right? So that's why I do it. But there's like right on the bottom part. I am getting to an age where I'm starting to notice that I'm a little sweatier and mustier in my armpits than I used to be. I don't know what's going on there. So I will say it doesn't seem to defend that yeah, quite as old. well. I am getting point. old. But this is what's great about the tank top. Man, this is a tough, uh, it's a tough conversation here without saying the real word. Uh, tank top is fine. Tank, tank top, top is, is good. Fine. It keeps you a little warmer in the winter. Right. And even in the summer when it's really hot, it will, you know, you could be outside in a hot day. You're wearing a, a polo shirt or whatever. The rest of it will stop the sweat from sticking to your shirt and doing that. So I've, I've uh, got a few friends to buy into it and they're big believers in it. You let me know when you want me to send you a three pack down of those undershirts and I'll, I'll get it done for you. No, no thanks. No thanks. <laughs> I, I don't wear them anymore. I used to have to wear them when I would be in court, specifically in trial, and it's stressful and it's a lot of anxiety and you do sweat. I would wear the full-blown moisture-wicking undershirt because otherwise, if you had a dark – no, not a dark. If you had like a gray suit, you'd get You're the, sweating through you'd it. get the pit stains, right. not just in your shirt. In your suit. You right. know you're sweating. You know that. And you're getting the pit stains into your suit. So that those things worked. Those worked. I mean, that, that it, it, it keeps it from, you know, soaking you through. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah, good. Uh, you never thought. You never thought at, at uh, 8.20 a.m. Eastern on a Thursday in May you'd be getting talk about undershirt etiquette. But the tank top, in my opinion, doesn't work, and it never did. You got to have sleeves on your undershirt for it to do its job. All right. Mike White had a T-shirt last year with Mike effing White on it. That was something his teammates with the Jets wore. A beloved figure. Anybody who's the number two quarterback in New York becomes the beloved figure. We'll see if it happens this year. He's now number two to Tua Tonga Vailoa in Miami. And he comes in at number 35, ahead of the rookies, ahead of Bryce Young, ahead of C.J. Stroud, ahead of Anthony Richardson. It's Mike effing white blinded by Mike white blinded by Mike White. well Mike white I in my opinion is is a little further down the road as a player than guys like Sam Howell or Desmond Ritter and that's why I put him in front of the rookies I mean Mike white to me is he's one of the best backups in football he's damn good he really is he's got some starting caliber traits to him one he's got good size he's a bigger man than people realize at six four I don't know why he doesn't look like that out in the football field, right? He's got a stronger arm than I think people probably give him credit for. I'm not saying it's a laser, but, hey, he's still – he can push deep out routes, deep in cuts, do any of that. And the thing I liked about him compared – you know, this year compared to last year, more aggressive this year with decision-making and throwing the football, as an example of this right here. Last year, I thought people made too big of a deal about Mike White. I was like, wait, all he does is throw the ball three and four yards at a time and nothing really happens to – advance the offense this year plays like this were definitely more common in his football game so that's what I like about Mike White high-end backup but also a little too loose with it at times this year too aggressive hanging in the pocket too long and has a little bit of a long deliberate motion like you see there where you know people can get a little bit of a beat on it or if he does have people around him he can't get it out of his hand quite as well He's tough. He hangs in there. He's probably a little too tough for his own good, and that's why he keeps getting hurt. He needs to preserve himself a little bit there. But uh, Mike White, you know, was the quarterback of an offense that was not very good. Let's be real here, all right? But he did some good things, and uh, I'm a fan of Mike White. Like I said, I think he's one of the better backups in all of football. But Mike, here's the if hit. he really wants to yeah. be taken seriously, yeah. if he wants to be taken seriously as a quarterback, he needs to go get Takeo Spike's neck. That's when you know he's ready. I mean, it's oh man, he just gets blasted, blasted. and he keeps going. And he played with I that know. rib injury right. last year. Uh, but but Chris, look, of all the potential backups that the Dolphins could I know. have signed, right. 
This isn't the guy. I, I you it, you said it over and over again. Yeah. You need a backup who's going to stay healthy. I, I I was a little surprised at that. Right, my phrase last year with Tua and Bridgewater is you can't have Mr. Glass backing up Mr. Glass like that. that you know, and I'm I'm being funny in that, but you, you know what I'm trying to say there. And yeah, that that's or where, trying to be. Well, yeah, but either way, but that's where Mike White. That's the biggest adjustment he has to make. Like we saw in some of those clips at the end, the the the, the motion is a little long at times. To when he has people bearing down on him, he doesn't get it out quick enough. And then, two, he's just got to protect himself a little bit. Now, this offense, I think, will help him that way because we know it's got bells and whistles and more ways to get the ball out of your hands and, you know, throw the ball three feet so the guy can run 80 yards. They got more of that stuff than anybody. So that's where life will change. But it's a team in their division who's seen a lot of crossover film, and they paid him pretty good money to be a backup. They, probably, they liked what they saw from Mike White. And uh, I think that's why the Dolphins got him. Yeah, look, and Mike McDaniel, who currently is trying to coach Tua Tagovailoa to a place where he's keeping himself healthy, maybe you slap number one and number two together. It's the same coaching points. It's the same instruction. Maybe he gets them to compete with each other on this basic question of who can get rid of the football before they get hit. That's where we're trying to make both of you guys better. You got to get rid of the football before you get hit. That's a way to avoid getting injured at the quarterback position in the NFL. All right, another backup. Even higher than Mike White, despite the fact that we rarely see him play. We saw him last year, Christmas Eve, for the Eagles against the Cowboys. Played a few games last year when Jalen Hurts was injured. Gardner Minshew, the former Jaguars starter, now with his third NFL team, with the Colts, Possibly the week one starter. Yeah. Possibly the starter until Anthony Richardson's ready to go. Yeah. I mean, just to, you know, first off, Gardner Minshew brings an attitude and a pizzazz as a quarterback. That's rare for a backup. You know, he's got some like starting quarterback leadership qualities. And I take that into account when I make these, you know, it's nitpicky with these, these damn guys. They're close. So little things like that. Yeah. They're important. Minshew has an effect on the football team. Saw that two years ago when he played for Jalen Hurts. Saw it last year again. Right, he's got a good quick release. He's really accurate, Mike, in the intermediate to short passing game. Of course, he's played so much quarterback. He's got great feel for the position, all the throws he had at Washington State, and like the throw we just saw there off his back foot. Look at how many throws he makes in this Cowboy game after not playing for 15 weeks under pressure, off his back foot, get the ball out of his hands. I mean, again, the spot he was put in there was. Pretty remarkably hard, and he throws for 355 yards and some touchdowns and threw two interceptions that were phenomenal defensive plays and not really, you know, bad decisions or anything like that. You know, he can move. He's got good feel in the pocket there, right, Mike? Uh, He's really good, like I said, when the pocket is collapsing and hanging back or shortening his, 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 his motion a little bit to get the ball done or anticipating somebody being open. Uh, That's where he's really good. Now, he's not a great runner. He's not going to do that. Like Mike White, probably a below average runner for 2023 in the NFL. And his arm is not super strong. He's going to miss some power throws. That's why he's 34, and you'll see some guys here that are above him, you know, that that are better in those departments and and why they're ahead of Minshew. But Minshew, really good. You know he can run the offense. You can win games with Minshew. And definitely, again, like Mike White, one of the better backups in football. And he's actually up three spots from last year. He was 37, didn't play much, but climbed to number 34. He did have a rough time against the Saints. Yes, he did. Last year. Yeah, let's get into that. For all the good that you've seen, what do you think went wrong against the Saints? Well, that's where the Saints, good defense. They took away the run game. They took away some of the short completions and some of the things that, you know, Gardner Minshew likes to do there. And... You know, that's he got off kilter. You know, he he didn't. He's not a guy. A guy again. This is why he's a backup, right? Nobody's open here. He's not going to make backyard play. Hey guys, get on my back and I'll carry the team. He's got to have something there. See where Jalen Hurts is better, of course, than him is in these situations. He's going to get out of the pocket and run. And now the defenses go. Wait, we got to play a different defense, and they can call the same play, and guys will be open the next play. So you know, I think. That's where he is the backup. He's not a, uh, there's no elite talent that you can just jump onto. The arm in a cold day in Philadelphia, you know, with a little wind is not going to just cut it through the wind like with ease. So those are some of the issues. And of course, he's a smaller guy too. So, uh, you know, again, I really like the player, but those are some of the negatives we hit on the positives. And that's the key dividing line between the best 
quarterbacks right. and the next cut. That's right. Right now, the ability to have that speed, that elusiveness to get out of the pocket, extend the play, make chicken salad out of chicken crap if the play that's called isn't working. All right, another backup, although he started a lot last year. Number 33, Taylor Heineke, now with the Atlanta Falcons. His first appearance ever in the Chris Sims Top 40 quarterback countdown. He had earned the job one week at a time. They never were all in. And the moment he faltered, they went back to Carson Wentz last year in Washington. He had them in the playoff picture at one point. He does do some good things, but but he is still a backup. That's and he's right. going to be backing up Desmond Ritter at least when the season begins. That's right. You know, And as of right now, yeah, I think he's better. And you've than, got him higher I than know. the guy he's backing up. Yeah, I think he's better than but Desmond Ritter. My neurons are finally connecting. Yeah, you've got yeah. him even higher than yeah. the starter. Yeah, I do. I think he's better right now. You know, I think Atlanta's playing on the potential that Desmond Ritter will pass him some point, you know, early in the season and make them that, you know, much better. But that this is one where, again, like Minshew or Mike White, this is a very valued backup quarterback. I think this is a guy where if Desmond Ritter doesn't play very good the first two or three weeks, there might be a short leash and go, no, no, we know Heineke can do some of this stuff. Right, he's got a little of that pizzazz and edge about him, like a Gardner Minshew. Right now, he's not as accurate as Gardner Minshew, but where he makes up for it, Mike, is a little bit of the things we hit on. Where Heineke's arm is stronger than Gardner Minshew, he does make more power throws and explosive throws. It's not a wow wow arm, but it's better than Gardner Minshew. And then Heineke does a very good job of, you know, when things are broken down, he can get out of the pocket. He can run. And he can make plays off the script outside the pocket. Uh, so that's where he's got a little bit of that backyard element that is very good. He's, he's, got a, um, he's got more release angles than some of the other two guys we talked about that are backups. You know? And then, of course, he's got a clutch factor at the end of the football game. But even though Heineke's a really good football player, you know, but you heard me in the room on Sundays sometimes, he misses too many throws where you just go, damn, that, you're, you're the starting quarter. You can't miss that guy's wide open you know they're just it's it's, uh, pete always says the heine coaster right but there's these where hey this is the perfect game right here he it's 20 to 13 they end up tying this game where you go well they did look at that play outside the pocket great this is the clutch moment they should have been winning this game but instead now because he didn't play that good he's going on a clutch drive to try to win the football game and he this is heineke magic time but He's got a little bit of a shamrock up his butt as far as dropped interceptions. That's for sure. You know, there's some qualities I really like about the kid. I really do. But he's just missing again. I think the top tier size and arm and ability to make big time throws against big time defenses. And that's why he's the backup quarterback. We saw what happened last year when he got a crack, when he got an opening, we had a window yeah. to replace Carson Wentz. He played well enough that you couldn't take him off the field. That's right. And that's what could happen. This year, if Desmond Ritter gets banged up and the door opens for Taylor Heineke, maybe you give him another game. Maybe you give him another game. I mean, I never saw the commanders have a willingness to fully embrace him. It was just, he played pretty well. Yeah. Let's let it ride. Right. Played pretty well. Right. Let's let it ride until he doesn't play well and you say, okay, let's go back to the other uh, quarterback. Uh, but But he's got the potential to be good. And I always feel like, when he's at his best, he's playing with a reckless abandon that yes. isn't sustainable. You're going to get yourself killed if you keep playing like that. Yep. But he's willing to do it because he never knows when that next opportunity is going to come. It always feels very fleeting and temporary with Taylor Heineke, but he could be the difference. And look, if you're going to go with Desmond Ritter, you need a backup you feel good about, and you need a guy that can maybe deliver a victory or two if the starter is injured because that could be the difference between getting to the playoffs or not in a wide-open NFC. That's right. And I think this is the perfect situation for if a Taylor Heineke has to play. You know, that was our issue with Washington wasn't very good on offense at times. They weren't a great running football team. Uh, it came along as the year went along. But so they, they had to sometimes ask too much of Taylor Heineke. You know, the thing I like about what Atlanta's doing there is they're not going to make it all about the quarterback. They're going to go back to 2019 Tennessee Titans who were in the AFC Championship game. Defense, run the ball, control the clock, short pass to B. John Robinson. Oh, Pitts is open over the middle on play action pass. Jump ball to Drake London. I mean, that's how they're going to play. And uh, that's where that's the kind of situation Heineke can thrive in. You know, to your point, right? He's, he's not going to be that guy that's going to carry the team and, you know, 
be a superstar. That's not going to happen. We're going to take a break. Okay. When we come back, there's another backup quarterback who comes in at number 32. Ponder, if you will, who it might be during the break, and we'll tell you who it is when PFT Live continues right after this. All right, here he is, number 32, the guy who surprised a lot of people when he replaced Derek Carr last year. That Saturday game against the Chiefs, Jarrett Stidham now with the Broncos, became a free agent. The Raiders didn't keep him. Sean Payton pounced a plan B for Russell Wilson in Denver in Jarrett Stidham. And again, he's number 32 on the Chris Sims top 40 quarterback countdown. Take that, Casey Kasem. <laughs> You're original. You're good. I like it. It was good. Uh, well, you know, that's I think that's where we can start the conversation. Wait, so the one of the best offensive co- coordinators, coaches, head coaches we've seen in football over the last 20 years, he pounced on this guy when free agency starts, right? Why? Because, because he's not good, right? No, he's going, damn. Because if Russell Wilson looks like he did last year, I need someone that can come in and run this offense and do what I can. Jared Stidham has talent. He has starting quarterback talent. His arm is better than some of the guys we will talk about in the you know, 15, 16 range. He's a much better athlete than people realize. You saw what he did in the 49er game and the second of last week of the year. You know, like a Minshew, what a situation. Oh, wait, great. I get to start against the 49ers, the best defense in football, you know, when they're hitting on all cylinders there. So he came in and made game-changing throws, big-time throws down the field, aggressive decision-maker there, Mike. You know, and he's a quicker, better athlete than people realize. He's got a – you see here, he runs more. You watch preseason football, whatever. You know, he's got a sneaky quick release when he needs to really make it fast and get it out. He can. He can do some sidearm. You can see there's a little backyard football, Mike. Throws off the back foot. He has some starting quarterback caliber traits to his game, right? Sees the field well. He's a good decision maker, right? But then, hey, here, this is where experience matters. And making some you know, over-aggressive decisions and not playing quite as much and being a little off-target there. But I think this is a, a a borderline starting quarterback in the NFL at some point. I know that New England group and everybody always liked him. He had some injuries there that kind of derailed some things there. But the fact that Sean Payton pounced on him, Mike, I think says a lot about what he thinks of Jared Stidham. Kept him in the division, got him away from the Raiders. That's right. At a time when we thought maybe he had done enough to be in the mix to be a placeholder while the Raiders consider younger quarterbacks. But no, Peyton got him. He'll be there as the backup to Russell Wilson. And you're right. If Russell Wilson stumbles, Sean Peyton will not hesitate to bench him. One of the sound bites that emerged over the weekend was him telling Ben DiNucci, the XFL quarterback, who had gotten a, an opportunity with the Broncos during rookie minicamp, Hey, Walmart needs greeters. That's what he told Ben DiNucci because DiNucci wasn't getting it done. So if you're not getting it done, you're not going to be playing football. Yeah. Sean Payton. Yeah. Let's go ahead well, and take well, it. Wait, one more thing. Can you I just say off of that? Yeah, one, one more quick thing to yes. the Sean Payton point you're making there. Right. You know, we, we got to see Russell Wilson run the offense and like run it at a high level. Right. Jared Stidham's been taught. This is why Sean Payton likes him. He, he knows he knows how to run an offense and go through reads and make all these checks. Right. Russell Wilson came from that defensive coach that we talked about earlier where, you know, I don't think he's advanced in some of those areas. He's relied on his backyard ability and just his ability to get it done more times than not in his career. And now he's at a time where, yeah, you can't run the same way and do all that. And you're going to have to start relying on the system and picking people apart that way. And that's what we got to see from Russell Wilson. And like to what you're saying, if we get to week five or six or seven and it's just not clicking with Russell Wilson, Jared Stidham's going to get in there and move that offense because he's going to have all the answers from Sean Payton. So he's going to go, wait, I can do this. I know I might not be as fast or as good as Russell Wilson, but I can execute the offense better than he can. And that's where that could be interesting. He's the perfect backup for Russell Wilson right now, too. Hot poker, never going to be able to take a day off and practice. You better be on your A game because Stidham's damn good. And like I'm showing here, I think one of the, the most talented backup quarterbacks in football.
You know, when I see the discussions on TV and in media now about artificial intelligence, I will hear people say who are supposedly experts very nonchalantly that there is a non-zero percent chance that AI will destroy civilization. (laughs) I say that because I feel like there is a non-zero percent chance that Russell Wilson is just ruined now. And he'll never be the guy he was. And what happened last year scarred him and caused him to just lose it. And he's just not going to be the guy. And you need to have a plan in place in the event that it wasn't Nathaniel Hackett, that it is Russell Wilson. Or even if it wasn't Russell Wilson, what happened last year affected him enough that he can't get it back. Yeah, There's a chance he had it, lost it for reasons other than himself last year, and now won't be able to get it back. There is a chance. So they have to be ready. You're right. There is a chance. And, and, you know, everybody, players go through lulls in their career. And you're right. It's like, how do you manage that lull and do you come out of it? You know, again, I'd be one to sit here and tell you, Brady went through a lull in 2012 and 13 where it was not great. That's why they drafted Jimmy Garoppolo in the second round. They weren't drafting him because they were going, oh, my gosh, he's so awesome. Let's just draft a quarterback and be cool. No, they were concerned. But he worked himself out of that lull and then got back to being the freaking man, right? A lot of quarterbacks ago. Montana went through a lull too. Late 80s, they benched his butt for Steve Young in 88, right? But he fought through that. We'll see what Russell Wilson can do and if he can replicate what those two great legends did. I got a feeling he's never been coached like he's going to be coached by Sean Payton. Oh, you know that. He's going to rise up or, or... Or he's going to be standing next to Ben DiNucci giving out carts at the local Walmart. (laughs) All right, let's uh, take a break. There's a thought out there that the Lions took Jack Campbell in a spot where they could have maybe traded down and still gotten him. That may not be the case. We'll delve into that when PFT Live continues right after this. Cody Mock, I mean, he's one of the best interior linemen in the draft. His no teeth in the front of his mouth, coupled with Ryan Jensen, the center, who also has no teeth in oh, the front of their right. mouth, they're like going to look like best buddies. Wait, didn't Vita Vea lose a tooth in I the game? I think he did. So they, they have big people with teeth problem down there in Tampa right now. <laughs> they're buccaneers, and they, they never have a full set. <laughs> That's right? right. Yo ho, yo ho. <laughs> That's funny. You know, it reminds me, hey, my dad took me to a hockey game, mid-70s. Right. Pittsburgh Penguins and L.A. Kings. Back when the Pittsburgh Penguins actually wore blue and gold, they adopted black and gold as their colors when the Steelers. I did not know that. Pirates were both the reigning world champions. Yes, blue and gold were the Penguins back then. And we got the program because you always had to get a program. I don't know if that still happens when people go to sporting events. Had to have a program. Otherwise, you have no idea what's going on. You got nothing to mess with during the game. Now you have your phone. Back then, the thing that distracted you from the game was flipping through the program. And every page, all these guys, mouthful of nothing. And I <laughs> no. rem- and just faces that were all bashed in. And like to the extent I would have ever had any inclination to try hockey, that goes out the window. The moment <laughs> you're you. flipping through the program of all these guys who have no teeth from playing hockey. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, that's, I got to ultimate respect for hockey players i mean they're they're tough as hell as much as they play as physical that sport is i mean damn forget everything they gotta do put on skates every day of your life that that, that makes me cringe just enough my ankles and knees hurt thinking about that let alone they'll take a puck to the face they'll throw punches in a heartbeat yeah you don't want to mess with hockey players Pound for pound, the toughest athletes and the most demanding sport, considering all the games they play, how long the playoffs are, and they're out there with skates and sticks and this projectile that they have no fear of whatsoever on ice, which definitely is harder than artificial turf. Definitely. Unbelievable stuff. Okay, so we play the Buccaneers thing because there's a clip floating around, and we'll be the judge of this. Pete has vetted it, but I'm not sure it's been vetted the way that I would vet it. So here's a look inside the Buccaneers draft room when the Lions took linebacker Jack Campbell just before the Bucks were on the clock because the thinking is maybe the Lions couldn't have traded down to get Jack Campbell. Maybe the Bucks were waiting to get him. Have a look and a listen. Well, I, 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 
We still had two guys that we really liked on the board with Canty being one of them. And, you know, when we had a shot either way, Detroit picked. And when Detroit picked the other way and picked the linebacker, and we got a chance to get Canty, you know, it was pretty good. It was a great feeling, actually. All right, that last little piece from Bowles suggests that they were looking at Campbell when Detroit went the other way, right? And Because then they would have had two guys still left. It does imply when you listen to the whole thing, they had two guys and then they had one guy. Right, right. They did. Possibly. And yeah. as you pointed out, there would have been a reason to get Jack Campbell. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, a lot of people are making more of a big deal about, oh, look, you know, because the Lions got, you know, dra- dragged through the mud a little bit. With, oh, you could have got Jack Campbell in the second round. You know, we discussed this. So what? Okay, great. I don't know. Obviously, this is proving different. But, yeah, what I said to you during the break and what to me is the big thing here that people are missing, forget all the where you could have got him. But, man, I mean, we're, we're Devin White and what he's talking about and wanting to be traded and the contract and all of that. And then here's a guy that I, are they drafting him to be the replacement for Devin White so they could say see you later? That, that's where my mind went in this conversation. That's where I found that very interesting, that conversation, what, what Todd Bowles was talking about. Yeah, I mean, either way, Levante David's getting toward the end. Devin White wants a trade. Yeah. They're refusing to do it. And that may have been a guy that they were thinking about taking. Now, they're, very, they're always very happy with the guy they get. And the argument is, and it should be, we got exactly the guy we wanted. It's better to not have. See, if you're going to have that access, you need to make sure it makes you look like you definitely got the guy you wanted. That video makes us think maybe they would have taken Jack Campbell if he would have been there. Let's take a break. We're going to draft the best non-quarterbacks from the NFC East when this Thursday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. You want to know why the NFC had three playoff teams? NFC East, excuse me, had three playoff teams last year. We're going to find out because there's a lot of great non-quarterbacks in that division. Some of the other divisions really had to stretch. This, we could probably go six, seven rounds of the best non-quarterbacks. Chris, you're up. Round one. Whoa. No, you're right. Well, I'm going to, we started off the show with them. We might as well end off the show with them. Micah Parsons. That's right. Hello. Welcome to the draft here on PFT because you are the best freaking player in the NFC East. I'm going with him. Yeah. He's, he's amazing. I mean, you know, we stated all the reasons we're watching Lawrence Taylor part two. We haven't seen that. I mean, it's crazy what the guy does. It really is. He's one, he's the best defensive player in the game right now. Uh, Micah Parsons. I'm torn on this one. I was going to go defense, but let me stay on the offensive side of the ball. He's carrying the franchise tag. He has shown that he can be very effective when healthy. And now this year, if he doesn't have a long-term contract, every reason to have another great year. Giants running back, Saquon Barkley. It was close for me, but I'll go Barkley. Yeah, I mean, Barkley's a game changer. You know, like we always talk about, you're not wrong there, right, Mike? I mean, there's only a few guys in football where you can just go, hey, the ball's at your own one-yard line, and when you give this guy the ball, he thinks he's going to score a touchdown. I mean, he, he thinks he's going to score a touchdown every time he touches the ball. That's, that's rare. There's only a handful of guys in football like that. And I'm going to go with one of those guys as well. His name is A.J. Brown. He plays receiver for the Eagles. I mean, A.J. Brown last year, in my opinion, injected himself in the the upper, upper class. Like, we know he was a top 10 receiver. I think last year he injected himself into the Tyree Kill, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase conversation. I voted him for him first team all pro. I mean, he can do it all. He can run by you. He can moss you. He can catch a slant and break tackles or outrun you. I mean, he's an awesome receiver, let alone I love his leadership too. So, A.J. Brown. All the reasons why the ham man was doing this. (laughs) Exactly, right. (laughs) Right. I need to take a walk. I need to go get a ham sandwich. (laughs) They traded away one of the best players on my team. I'll go sexy Dexy here. Ah, damn it. Lawrence just got paid $22.5 million a year. Taking all my damn Sorry. giants. Sorry, I still, have, <laughs> I still have flashbacks of him wrecking the interior of the offensive line of the Vikings while Kirk Cousins is acting like the play with the season on the line is a routine second and seven from the middle of September. Dexter Lawrence. Yeah, Dexter Lawrence, sexy Dexy, big man. Uh, all right, so we're going to go to break, he's telling me. But, like, I, the more I keep looking at this, we could have had a draft of just the Eagles players. 
I know we are, but I'm just saying it's unreal, the NFCs. It's actually better than I gave it credit for. All right, quick break. We will jam in as many rounds as we can when PFT Live continues right after this. How it started, how it's going. There he is on the left on Regis, and there he is on the right with his tank top in Tampa Bay. <laughs> oh, man. Only about 40 years apart. Only 40 years apart. I didn't expect either of those clips no. to make the show today, and yet there they were. No, and uh, the one in Tampa is more embarrassing, I'll tell you that. That was like day after the game, <laughs> oh, right? Let it keep playing. Early morning, right? Yeah. And uh, I mean, it was dark out. I was up by the pirate ship. We were in the concourse. It was like... There was like spilled beer and popcorn everywhere, and man, I was musty and sweaty before we started the show, so I had to take off Did my shirt. Did you eat some of it? I mean, it's on the floor. It fits one of your prerequisites. <laughs> I draw the line somewhere, okay? And I drew the line at one at, at the, the Buccaneer Stadium. I can't even remember what the hell the stadium's called anymore. Raymond James? Raymond is, James. It is still Raymond James. Okay, good, good. Yes. All right, Christopher, David, make a pick. All right. Well, I'm going to go with the guy that – you know, led the division in sacks, right? And I, I got to pick him, so I'm going to go Hassan Reddick. Uh, you know, we talk about Micah Persons being the best Ooh, defensive player overall. I still think Hassan Reddick might have something to say as far as being the best pure pass rusher there. Hassan Reddick is phenomenal. You saw what he did. You know, he's dropped back in coverage, come around the edge. He can do whatever you want. Sexy day. Sexy at $22.5 million per year. Deron Payne, franchise tagged, re-signed quickly to $22.5 million on a four-year deal, I believe it was. So uh, let's put him in there. We, we can't forget about a team that, that uh, has made news for reasons other than players in recent weeks. No, I, I'm with you. I'm glad you did that because we, we need to add guys like there. I mean, it really, Jonathan Allen – he should probably, I mean, he should have been in there. You could have gotten him or Deron Payne, right? I mean, damn, Montez Sweat's a really damn good football player. Lane Johnson, we forgot about him. Leonard Williams on the Giants. C.D. Lamb. I mean, we got a lot of damn players in the NFC East. How many, how many rounds before we would get down to your guy, Kayvon Thibodeau? You had doubts about him last year. Right. But he was better than I think you expected he would be. Yeah, he, he, was, he was. Honestly, he had the moment in the Washington game. There's some meat left on the bone there. Well, we need to see improvement. But it would be a few rounds. I mean, with Trayvon Diggs is still on the board. I mean, it's crazy. Brandon Graham, Demarcus Lawrence, Zach receivers. Martin. Great, right. great division. Right. All See right. ya. I'm out of here. Thanks for it's your time. my Friday. Chris, enjoy your three-day weekend. See everybody else tomorrow. Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NextGuard Plus Choose. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.